Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Joy Marie Parker, and you're listening to episode two of Job Blogs. Welcome to Job Blogs podcast that features candid conversations from young professionals about work, life, and everything in between. Welcome back to another episode of the Job Blogs podcast. Thank you so much for subscribing, listening, sharing, and leaving your comments on the website. The feedback has been overwhelmingly positive, so thanks. In case you missed it or tuning in for the very first time, last month I chatted with Gina and Wei, co-founders of New York-based clothing line Avantour, and we had a really inspiring discussion about their journey starting a clothing line with no prior fashion experience. They shared some of the lessons they learned along the way, as well as some of the mistakes they made. So go back and give that a listen if you haven't already. Today, I have a really special guest in the studio with me. If you're thinking about mixing business and friendship or have done so in the past, or if you've ever wondered what it's like to work in the entertainment and media fields, then you're in for a real treat. I think you'll really enjoy this episode. So without further ado, let's dive right in. So today I'm so excited to have Aaron Stiles in the studio with me. Aaron's currently a corporate communications manager at a global media agency. Previously, she worked as a publicist in the entertainment and television realm, both in-house and on the agency side, um, with some of your favorite shows and favorite housewives. I'll let her talk about that in, in greater detail. But she also happens to be my best friend, so I'm so excited to have you here. Welcome to the show, Aaron. I feel so awesome about being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to talk a little bit about like why I was motivated to have you Mm -hmm. on the episode today. Um, I think recently you've really helped me out with a couple ideas I've run past you about job blogs, about the direction of the podcast, some of the content on the website. Um, And I, I got to thinking about just like the way we interact and engage our friends and the people in our network. And I think the dynamic of our friendship has changed and evolved over the years. And I'm just beginning to get to know you in a professional capacity, which is so interesting because we've been friends for how long now? Since like seventh grade. So Yeah, which is like we're, for <laughs> we're twenty seven <laughs> now, so for a really long time. Yeah, like long 13, time. 13, 14 years, something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Um and, and we've gone through different phases of friendship, but I really want to kind of just dive into some of your career, some of your experiences, but also talk about our friendship dynamic and how we've kind of leveraged each other both personally and professionally to solve uh, different things that we're going through. Uh, so thanks again for joining. So I'd love for you to introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about your background and your kind of career trajectory. Sure. Um, I'll preface this with all of my career track so far has been built on the foundation of being obsessed with pop culture <laughs> and living and breathing it in every way from standing in line for Saturday Night Live to going around the country to 
you know, live my dream of being a Justin Timberlake groupie to loving television so much that I, you know, used to build out a schedule of what I was going to watch every fall, um, what was going to work with my school schedule, then work schedule. Wait, did you really? Yeah. (laughs) Wait, when was this? Um, This was, I did this through college and for a while after graduation. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I remember middle school, I think, and we grew up in the same neighborhood, literally, like, what, a two, two, three minute walk from each other. Um, and I remember coming over and you had like the NSYNC posters mm-hmm. and you were really, really into it. I still have some it. of those. Yeah. <laughs> but wait, no. So let's go back to that because actually I feel like it's your interest. It was your interest in pop culture that kind of got me into building websites. Do you remember that? Um Kind of, but what do you mean? Same so you it. had, so back in like the seventh grade, I think it was, or maybe eighth. the eighth grade, mm-hmm. you had a website. And I yeah. think originally you had, it was like a dot-com website. This was a big deal at the time yeah, for a kid was. to have their own website. Um, and I think you built it as a fan page originally. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, no. I think I originally built it as an online blog. With photos, really? Yeah, it wasn't well, so based other in... people had fan pages. There was something right, with yeah, like so fan would... pages and websites. Yeah, I would follow um, NSYNC and what they were doing, and that would lead to different fan sites like NSYNCland.com and Studio, and on KiwiBox.com. Some of you might remember that website; it's still around. <laughs> yeah. um, and that would just lead me to different fan sites. And you know, on the sidebar, how it says other websites that yes, they like. Yes, that's what I remember. Would, yeah, so then that would lead to blogs that weren't even about entertainment and just personal ones. Yeah. And then I was like, you know what? I think I do some fun, cool stuff. Let me write about my life. Oh, I didn't even know that. But so you you had your website, and then you introduced me to yours, and that piqued my interest in designing my own site. So for a couple of years, I think it was, you actually hosted me as sort of like a subdomain, a branch off of your main website. Yeah. And I had my own little mini website on your site, and we would build, I mean, we would stay up to like three, four in the morning building layouts. Yeah, it's and- so crazy <laughs> to think about that time. Because- yeah, teaching ourselves yeah. HTML from scratch and yeah, CSS. And one program that people would use to it starts with like an M movable type yeah and that was yeah. so hard so now like WordPress together. is the huge content management mm-hmm. system back in those days it was movable type and we were installing that stuff from scratch yeah a lot of it we were doing writing our own HTML yeah yeah, yeah like a notepad and the fact that we from were able scratch. to do that but a big part of it is my parents especially my mom was really supportive of my love for computers and my dad as well given that he works in um, the computer and industry yeah and IT so yeah. I mean I always loved it I was obsessed with those dude you're getting a Dell commercials I don't remember always those. loved commercials and you don't remember those no. commercials it was with the guy that was basically like a stoner that was in <laughs> um, I think like a freshman in college and he would go around to his friends and they'd be really excited and be like dude you're getting a Dell <laughs> I don't remember those those are funny I don't remember that but I bring all that up because I, I don't know if I've ever told you this directly, but I kind of credit that period of time um, as the reason why I'm now interested in like design and building websites. And I think a lot of my digital and technical creative thinking came from those experiences. I don't know if I've ever thanked you for that, but you really sparked it originally. And even to this day, you know, like with job blogs, building the website using WordPress, I still use a lot of the the stuff that I learned back then. Right. So that's really interesting how it's kind of come full circle like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, co- sorry <laughs> to no, sort of no. derail the whole conversation. But yeah, continue to tell us a little bit about how that kind of 
brought you to where you are now and corporate communications and PR? Sure. So I went to NYU, um, dream school, without a doubt. It doesn't make those lists for no reason. Like, it's an incredible, very unique college experience that I wasn't quite sure that I wanted until I visited the campus and fell in love. And I came knowing that I was going to major in communications, but didn't know quite what path that was going to take. Mm -hmm. Because while I loved pop culture and music and movies and television shows, I didn't think that that would I could actually work in the industry. It kind of mm. seemed far fetched and so glamorous and you see, you know, you watch these award shows and it was like that's so unrealistic. Yeah. But, you know, meeting people in college and those experiences and seeing people that actually worked in the industry was really inspiring to me. But I didn't even believe that it was possible until I got my first internship in the television industry my sophomore year, which mm. saying it out loud doesn't even, that's not that late yeah. in college, but I felt for a long time like it wasn't realistic. So yeah. I decided to do a double major in economics because I was thinking, I was don't that know your backup plan? <laughs> yeah, it was. Because um, I didn't know if I was going to be able to land a position, but internship to internship, you know, in entertainment, working at NBC and Al Roker's production company, working at The View mm-hmm. in production. Um, and then I, that led to working, I was really passionate about children's television. I mm-hmm. went to do that for a long time. So I did internships at Cartoon Network and PBS. Um, but a lot of my experience in my internships wasn't just production. It mm-hmm. was um, communications and PR. So that's what my first internship, big internship at NBC was, working in their corporate communications department, which was a really eye-opening experience because it was the Olympics in 2008, mm-hmm. which they do a lot of um, coverage for, and it was the year that Tim Russert died. Mm. Um, he used to be the um, host of Meet the Press yeah. on NBC. So I got to see crisis management, exciting event communications yeah. all at one time. So then after graduation, you know, I had the opportunity to do the page program at NBC. Yeah, which is so so um, I was doing some research <laughs> on yeah. that and on your resume. And actually, the page program, it looks like it's 10 times more competitive to get into than Harvard. Yeah. So, I mean, a really selective competitive program. And you got in. Yeah. Um, but tell us. So I want to I backtrack a little bit before we get into that, though. Tell us about how you secured the internships. Was it were you methodical and intentional about the types of internships you were pursuing? Who kind of laid the path in your mind in terms of the trajectory that you were going to follow? Did you have other people that were in the field that you were like, you know, I kind of want to do what they're doing. Let me kind of follow their trajectory. Did you test out a lot of different things? Like, what was that process like even in college? Because even in college, social media isn't what it is today, Mm -hmm. obviously. I mean, I started college in 2006, and Facebook was a big thing, but LinkedIn might have been around at the time, and people weren't using it, and I think that's what a lot of people would use now to see people's career trajectories, plainly and easily. Um, A lot of it was seeing my friends and people that I did the SNL standby line with, getting internships, um, and also the opportunities that I got from my um, counselor at NYU. So, you know, the job postings that they had there. Yeah. NYU really pushes doing internships. You're right here yep. in the city. It's I think it's something you should 100% take advantage of if you go to a school in a major city. Yeah. Especially one that caters to what you want to do for a living. It doesn't yeah. have to be a big school. Um, so just following those and being proactive about seeking opportunities and letting people know what I'm interested in. How did those internships play a role in getting the PAGE program? Oh, they were the reason why I got into the page program. Yeah, I interned down. at NBC twice, so mm-hmm. like I said, in the media communications department and then later at the Today Show. And the recommendation letters that I got from my supervisors 
um, at those positions were the reason why I got the position. That's awesome. So tell us about the PAGE program. That was a one-year commitment, if I remember Mm -hmm. correctly. Mm -hmm. I mean, you were doing a lot. You were, I don't know if you guys have watched 30 Rock (laughs) um, and seen Ken's character, but that's essentially what you were doing, Aaron, right? Like giving tours. It's an extreme version (laughs) of what I was doing. Um, So it is a one-year commitment, and it's basically a bunch of people that just graduated from college that are hanging out together all the time pursuing their <laughs> dreams and it comes with the drama as well that you would expect it's kind of like high school 2.0 really um for better or for worse mm-hmm. um but it's cool so part of the program is doing guest relations so you do tours of the studios like late night with jimmy fallon and saturday night live and the news with um, brian williams mm-hmm. and then the other part of it is um doing guest management our seating audience coordination at different television shows like Dr. Oz and Late Night with Jimmy Fallon. Very cool. Or now Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon and Late Night with Seth Meyers. Um, And then later, um, you know, as you're in the program, you get the opportunity to do assignments and you interview for them like they're real jobs. So there's Mm. assignments in different areas in production and entertainment production, CNBC doing production there. Um, It really runs the gamut. And NBC obviously is more than the broadcast network. NBC Universal is also the cable programming. So Oxygen and Sci-Fi, Bravo, USA Network. Yeah. So you have the opportunity to learn the skills that you want and connect and network. And what I think the best part of the PAGE program is is that you're growing with yeah. 50 plus other people yeah. in your career that you'll be able to tap into as you grow together. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I don't know that it is obvious, right, about like how the different companies are broke down and structured and even hmm. what the opportunities are that are out there. Do you Did you find that your experience in the PAGE program exposed you to all those different nuances? Or did you do research on your own outside of, you know, going into work every day? How did you maximize the opportunity really to kind of get to the next step and get that full-time opportunity afterwards? Because I know a couple other people in the PAGE program. Not everyone has had the same success. So, Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think a lot of it is being damn good at your job. Like you, I mean, at the end of the day, you have to show yourself and be good at your mm-hmm. position because I've worked with people that aren't that yeah. great at their positions. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, and I think um, networking and staying in contact with the people that you built relationships with when you're at those internships, because the person that I developed a relationship with when I was a page got a job at Oxygen as a coordinator when she mm. and I was her page, essentially doing um, publicity at Oxygen. Okay. Um, in that role, and I reported to her. When she left, she immediately thought of me, and that's how I got my position. We'll talk about it later, but she's yeah. the reason. That, she's also the reason why I have the job that I currently have. Yeah. So it's building those relationships and staying in contact with people. That's essential. You did ask about how did I get to know the nuances of the company. I was obsessed with NBC. Like I was mm. very. Um, myopic and my thinking about yeah. NBC like yeah. I knew that I was going to work there after graduation because I had a love affair with it from when I was a kid I loved SNL I did the page program like I said many times I did the standby line for SNL in yeah. college so my dream was to work at NBC and I got there so I think having a focus mm-hmm. is essential and so I lived and breathed the NBC brand so you know can I t- talk briefly about yeah. the um 
interview process for the page program? Yes, yes, I would love that. Yeah, it's really intense. Um, so after you do your phone interview, and if you get called back for the next round, that next round is to do a panel interview. A panel? Um, yeah, so you're wow. brought in with um, about 20 or so, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less, other candidates. Yikes. And it's three parts. So the first part is you're all sitting around a conference room table with about four or five um, people within powerful positions mm-hmm. at the company that can help decide if you're going to get the role. And you all have to stand up and answer questions. You don't know what the questions are going to be. And those are all asked in front of the group. And you have wow. a few minutes, a couple minutes to answer the questions. Um, and then afterwards, um, everyone's taken out into the hall. And then one by one, you interview with a panel of four or five of those same executives okay. to know if, you know, they ask yeah. you questions about, you know, if you had the, if you were the president of NBC, mm. what would you change about the company to make it more financially successful, mm. to build, bring in more viewers? Um, what is your favorite brand under the NBC Universal umbrella? So, you know, you can go online and see a lot of that. So you kind of have a sense of what might be thrown at you and the intensity level. So it's possible to study for it a little bit, but you can't. Yeah, but I mean, so you got through. What do you think is the common denominator in people that were successful and went through that interview process successfully versus people maybe who got rejected because since you've graduated you've also you know met other people that have been interested in the program applied maybe gotten in maybe not gotten in mm-hmm. um that's a that's an interesting question because i you know i think a lot of it is personality and mm. if they feel something that clicks in you because a lot of people that got it don't have extensive internship experience they just have the passion and the interest to be there because the last part of the interview process is doing a two-minute presentation drama oh, okay. people sing some people dance okay um, what did you do <laughs> i um did a po i did a poem or something like that a talking poem. about my um <laughs> wait i've never heard I was you diagnosed a with mbc syndrome oh really <laughs> and that there's the only cure is to be in a page program something like that wait <laughs> I don't remember it too well. All right, I'm going to I've say never, I don't remember it. I've never heard a poem from you, a damn. I don't know if it was. A, it was. I don't know. It was. It was like a. A A thing, yeah. Soliloquy. Yeah. No, but I I mean, that's such a good point because I think that holds true across the the board when it comes to to jobs. And I think it's a common misconception about interviewing. You don't necessarily need the experience um, all the time, especially at the entry level. It's a lot of times hiring managers and recruiters are looking for the passion um, and and for the commitment and dedication. They want to know that you'll be there a while. Exactly. That's interesting. Anything else on the PAGE program that you'd have the people know? Um, I think it's a great opportunity. I am so happy that I did it. And if anyone wants to hear more about it, hit me up. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's, you know, let's pivot a little bit because you touched on this earlier and I actually have this jotted down as a note. You touched on um, just not even thinking that you could get, you know, the roles in publicity and PR Um, and and communications from the outside. And I think that's something that a lot of us feel and experience. I know I personally did as well. Um, New York City is a a huge city where people come to pursue their dreams. People want to be artists and poets and models and actresses. So how, I mean, what was the process like, and I'm talking about like mentally here, getting into the mindset of really feeling like you could go for this thing and get it. I mean, did the internships give you the confidence to kind of keep moving forward? Or like, what was that process like emotionally and mentally? Um, I never really thought about that. 
Um, I think getting one intern, getting that first internship, which was in television. I had done fashion internships before, and I mm-hmm. hated them. It just wasn't me. Um, getting the first internship with Al Roker's production company really mm-hmm. opened my eyes that this was actually a possibility, and that mm-hmm. I had what it takes to get my foot in the door. And that made me feel really proud of myself, built up my confidence, mm-hmm. and. I really realized the importance of networking at that point. Yeah. And I realized that I did have the power to make my dream a reality. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like I went through something similar. And I mean, I think about this all the time because I kind of transitioned. You know, I came to the New York City about four years ago. You know this. I didn't have a job at the time. I was kind of freelancing, doing different things. I worked in retail for a little bit. Um, I did a lot of like I said, freelancing, and I was getting paid like $10, $15 an hour. Like, it was a really tough time. And you see other people that have these jobs that you want, and you don't always feel empowered enough to go after them or to get them. And for me, quite honestly, what helped me to transition from the role that I was in into the role that I currently have, kind of full-time salaried benefits at a large financial services company doing marketing, um, was changing my mentality. And that's why I kind mm-hmm. of touched on it and spoke about it. Because a lot of times I feel like the barriers we create are internal and they're mental. And, you know, I just want everyone out there to know, like, if you have a dream or a passion, regardless of what it is, you can go after it. You can do it. You can go for it. Like, it's it's possible. And I feel like we're both testaments to that. So no, that sounds good. I really agree with that. Yeah. Um. So I want to backtrack a little bit, too, because mm-hmm. you also touched on the glamorization of the industry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, and, you know, I, I want to tread carefully because I don't want to turn anyone off from pursuing careers in fashion, no, entertainment, no. media. But I think there is something to discuss there. I think a lot of times people think it's a lot more glamorous and working in event marketing, too. It's sort of the same thing. People see events and say, oh, you know, like, that's so cool. It's glamorous. They kind of see all the superficial outside stuff and don't know that it's actually a really tough career track. Um, can you speak a little bit about especially at the entry level, some of the uh, challenges, the stress factors, and, and just realistically what you need to put in to make it in NPR and communications right. or media, entertainment, television, that whole field. Well, it is cool. I don't want to not stress that. It is really cool, like getting the opportunities to go to these premiere parties mm-hmm. and seeing people walk down red carpets and not just seeing them working red carpets and being close to the stars yeah. is really cool and eye-opening and it's like, wow, I, you know, I've, I've quote-unquote made it or something right. along those lines. But it is a lot of work because the expectations are high because you're working with people whose names and brands are on the line and yeah. they're depending on you to help build their brand or keep it consistent. Um, so the pressure is on every step of the way in any type of communications, for sure. Um, you have to cross all your T's, dot all your I's, and mm-hmm. make sure that you're buttoned up in every way because, again, you're not representing... You are representing yourself in terms of that you know how you do your job, but there's other people and brands and um, talent that are depending on you to represent them in the best way. And that's not always easy. And it's not easy for everybody. I've seen a lot of people struggle struggle with it um, Mm -hmm. because their priorities are somewhere else and their priorities are just going to the parties and Mm -hmm. rubbing shoulders with those celebrities. Right. Um, But I mean, like... 
So at the entry level, what's a typical day looking like? Hmm. Because oh. so I, <laughs> I'm, I'm asking leading questions because I feel like as your friend, um, you had some really awesome and cool and enriching experiences. But I also saw the flip side of that, right? Like days when you were really stressed out. And um, I mean, I just I, I want to kind of just demystify the field of yeah. fashion and entertainment a little bit and just kind of be honest about some of what you might not see in a Google search. Um, sure. Um, I think what something you might be talking about are the personalities of people that you work with um, in terms of, you know, bosses, superiors. It's not always easy. Um, and I think in a, specifically in the entertainment industry, it produces a specific personality type Mm. and I don't know if it attracts that personality type but I think it creates people Mm. and makes people feel like they are the celebrity and the star Mm. and that they're able to treat people and you know not always the best way Um, and it's learning to navigate that without losing yourself as well yeah and Uh, how did you do that I left the industry (laughs) (laughs) well that's Um, a good segue (laughs) (laughs) no 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 I loved working in entertainment television um, and I was just ready for a different type of challenge is the reason why I left but going back to what is a typical day like Mm -hmm. or you know what are those specific challenges I can only speak to working at my first job was entry level my second job at entertainment television wasn't but the entry level it's going in doing your press clips which is pulling together what was in the press about your company and mm-hmm. your talent and your television shows the day before because that's important for your executives to see. Um, it's putting together press kits for television shows. Um, it is putting together press itineraries for press tours mm-hmm. for talent, meaning um, if, you know, Bad Girls Club, I used to work at Oxygen, um, if we're doing a press tour for one of their shows or when Ray J was hosting their All Star Battle. Mm-hmm. Um, we would secure press for him on different television shows in New York or L.A., and we'd have to make sure every step of the way was covered, the hotel, the cars, food, everything, and you have to make sure you're double-checking, triple-checking. Mm-hmm. So it really is so many different types of things. We do you know, do events for... Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Called the upfronts, yeah, um, which is presentations to advertisers about yeah. their upcoming um, programming, and so it really runs the gamut. There, it's hard to say what a typical day is. Mm, it changes. It seems mm-hmm. to change and, and move a lot. And um, you spoke about talent. I've actually benefited from all of your learnings there in terms of booking talent. You've helped me with thinking through how I secure guests for the show. Um, how I reach out to people that I'm interested in interviewing and profiling on the website, too. So I've certainly benefited from from those skills that you're learning as well. Mm-hmm. Um, how did working in entertainment and sort of television change the way you viewed or enjoyed <laughs> television since you've, you know, you've shared your you were a huge pop culture. You are a huge pop culture mm-hmm. fan. How did working in that industry kind of shift um, you no longer look through it through rose tinted glasses um, because you see what 
even just working on a television show and working on the PR side of it, you see what goes into the making of it, which mm-hmm. is really neat to have that behind the scenes. But it obviously loses some of its glamour when you can see every how the show was developed and yeah. what's going to happen next and all those aspects. And it's neat, but it also you you do see that these are just real people that mm-hmm. are working on a product. And when people aren't genuine or rude, that they're they are just people. And I think a lot of people even though they might read blogs like media takeout and see that there is like a lot of nastiness, they still don't realize that people are also genuinely like that. Yeah. Um, and everyone isn't, but that can be tough yeah. um, to see that, you know, some people aren't grateful or, yeah. um, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah. I think it's hard when you're on show and you watch yourself back too. like when you're on TV and you watch that back. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of us might not like <laughs> what we saw on screen if we were starring in a reality TV show because you're on 24 seven. Is reality TV real, though? <laughs> as real as you expect it to be. Meaning? <laughs> it's as real as you expect it to be. Okay. All right. Awesome. So let's uh, shift gears a little bit. Um, I want to talk about, we, we chatted a little bit about just sort of passion and the idea of being really passionate about something. Um, and then even, in, especially in entertainment, advertising, marketing, those fields, um, it's a lot of hard work at the entry level. But I've been, I think, struggling with this idea of um faux passion for work and Gina who was on the last episode actually shared an article with me from the New York Times that uh, is called the tyranny of the forced smile and it talks about this idea and this notion of us being like so enamored with our jobs and having to like put up this kind of a facade about how passionate we are about what we're doing what's the fine line like what's the balance between a true passion and interest for what you're doing but also being authentic and being realistic and saying hey I have other interests like at the end of the day this is a nine to five for me do you find like in in your field of entertainment and television it's expected that you're kind of like overly passionate about what you're doing all the time i wouldn't say it's overly passionate i think you need to care and be have that passion in order to do the job successfully because it's not a nine to five Mm. like you when you sign up for it you should know that that's not what it is you're going to work late nights frequently you're going to work weekends yeah there's going to be travel involved you have to be available to pick up the phone if something happens to your talent yeah you can't go into it thinking that oh i have other passions or other things other interests that i want to pursue and so my job is going to have to take a back seat to that Mm. you can't come into it with that mentality but what's the balance i mean is there balance or um, I think that is goes job to job and the mm-hmm. relationship and the um, boundaries that you set up with your employer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really think entertainment PR is not like that. You yeah. give your you give yourself to it. Yeah, and a lot of, and not just entertainment PR. Even yeah, in my current yeah, position, for sure. communications yeah. is you know you have to be available. Yeah, to, because crises will come up. Um, non crises will come up when you need to respond. Mm-hmm. Um, because of who was asking the question or has the need. Mm. So I think anyone that enters this field has to, is if they're able to balance and are willing to lose some sleep, mm-hmm. um, they'll be successful. And what's the reward? You know, I don't, it's been pretty negative. I've been pretty hard on you, but what's, what's the reward? What were some of the, the kind of highlights of working in entertainment? What was the best parts of, of that role in that, that field for you? It was always really, and it still is, let me say, because just because I don't work in entertainment PR, I still work in PR communications. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just on a different type of product. Um, 
it's whenever you see press that you pitched secured and you got the mm. interview or it's going on television and you've seen it all the way through from the pitch to when it's airing on television or when it's in the newspaper you see the spread in the magazine it's so fulfilling yeah and, and when you get a high five or a thank you that means a lot you're not <laughs> yeah. even you know just saying that's awesome yeah across the board mm-hmm. i think in general so um yeah we've been touching on it but tell us a little bit about the shift and how you transition from entertainment PR are to your current role in corporate communications for an agency? Sure. Um, so I was working at, I was at Oxygen before, um, and then I went over to a PR agency, which um, did television PR for various cable networks. And then I got a call from the woman who helped me get my position at Oxygen, who I spoke about before, and she said, hey, no, you've been talking about wanting to pursue other opportunities. I know you're interested in global opportunities, and mm. I have one right here for you. Um, would you be interested? Because, you know, she's a person in a great position there who's very influential and persuasive and it was mine for the taking and I said you know what I'm going to take this I didn't think about it right yeah much. it wasn't yeah. I'd been feeling a little um jaded about mm-hmm. the entertainment industry and I was ready to pursue something different and when it was presented to me You hopped on on it, it. Mm -hmm. yeah. But you you let her know. I mean, she knew that you were looking. What was that like? I mean, because it's it's kind of vulnerable. It puts you in a vulnerable state to put out there into the universe that you're looking for a new job. Um, I'm finding that that process never you never really fully get used to it having to get back into the job market and look for a job. I mean, I have friends that reach out to me, yourself included. Um, as they're transitioning, and they've been working, you know, a couple years, very successful, but it always seems to be a really daunting and, and scary and kind of vulnerable process. So what was that like for you? Um, I wouldn't say that my experience was like that, because I had a job that was secure, and I was just open to the opportunities, and I let people that I trusted no. know that. So I haven't, I fortunately haven't had the experience where I really needed to f- secure mm-hmm. work um and so i and always but i do let people know when i'm interested in other opportunities and i've fortunately had a supportive group behind me to help me pursue those how do you do that in a way that um you know doesn't burn your current bridges like what tell us a little bit about the process Sure. I mean, well, nobody at my that job that I had at the time knew. Oh, okay. Um, so, so just sort you know, of knowing your who the network. right people to tell, mm. and you know, building that network of trust. Like I said, people that you know are going to have your back, but mm. aren't going to burn you in the process. Yeah. I but I just want to put it's really important to let people know that you're looking. Yeah. Um, because or that you're open. Yeah. Like I said, because that job is going to come out of nowhere yeah and based on the circle that you develop around you those opportunities will come yeah and i mean i'm you know we're in each other's circles when you talk about a circle of, of people that you trust in a network um and i you know i got my current role the same way too i kind of put it out there i targeted the company very specifically mm-hmm. so i reached out to um a young girl who was working on this company but on the agency side this was one of her clients and she put me in touch with someone that worked at the company and it kind of just happened from there so I completely agree in terms of just putting it out there and a lot of times the opportunities that come up they're not even posted you know you can't yes. find them so yes. um, you rely on your network and you rely on on that circle of people you trust to 
to share those opportunities with you. That's great. Um, so we actually have a question for you from Danielle from the lifestylemuse.com. And she wants to know what motivated you to transition from corporate or from entertainment to corporate communications. And was that a difficult transition? Um, it was a difficult transition, and I'm still getting there um, because the company that I work at right now is a media planning and buying and strategy agency, and I do corporate communications for that agency. I don't know anything. Tell us about a little that bit. World. I'm going to pause you. Tell us a little bit about media buying and planning because this is <laughs> something I'm saying. I don't necessarily. <laughs> I'm joking. I, I can't speak. But it's, you know, it's something it I was confused about for many years because I think media and as defined by sort of the agents ad agency world is different than media as we kind of generally know it when we talk about PR and television and entertainment. It's two different things. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know that. So can you just speak to that and a little bit? So what I'm learning is so media are the people that really have the money to keep these television networks and the programs mm. on the air. Um, so media is so brands, Fortune 500 companies, smaller companies, um, like new establishment companies like Airbnb have a media budget Mm -hmm. that they have to adhere to and they have money. And so then a lot of them hire agencies to help them strategize and execute that money and deciding where they want it to go to Mm. best build their brand and get word about who they are and move them into the future. Okay. So like ads placed during the Super Bowl, a media agency is responsible for. Right. Got it. And so tell us about the transition. What were some of the things that were tough going from? Essentially, what I'm hearing is having clients that are individuals, uh, TV shows, to now having clients that are internal. Are you serving your agency internally or are you serving the clients of that agency? Like, are you working Both. with companies now? Both. Um, the main part of my job is doing internal communication, so building um, culture within the agency itself. Okay. Um, with different event opportunities internally, like bringing vendors in to do cocktail series or um, putting on our end of year party mm-hmm. um, to external communications, which is. Um, working with the media, the press. Mm-hmm. When I say media, I'm talking about press, like the Wall Street Journal. Okay. Um, working with them to get the um, agency story out there. Okay. So it's clear what we stand for on various topics and the evolution of the industry during mm-hmm. this, you know, really disruptive time. Yeah. In the media landscape. Um, and then with clients, we will help build their individual brand for their marketing okay. um, leads. Okay. And so helping them get awards opportunities, speaking opportunities. I'm really learning in the advertising industry how important awards are. Yeah. There's <laughs> awards yeah. on top of awards on top yeah, of awards. Girl. And so I'm writing those <laughs> submissions Mm. um i'm submitting for agency of the year awards so Mm. it's a lot of writing it's very writing heavy but there's a lot of events like going to cool stuff like we have a huge presence at ces the consumer electronic show in las vegas um so it's neat yeah i mean it's so interesting now that you're in advertising and we kind of laugh about this all the time because we sort of did a a switcheroo where Mm -hmm. i was in advertising before and needed to get out (laughs) (laughs) in entertainment and and got out so it's it's really interesting and i've valued kind of the conversations and vent sessions we've had um and also just like best practice and 
and tips and advice that we've shared in our personal conversations about how to navigate that. But I do want to um, get really tactical with you about how you leverage that skill set and entertainment and sort of like the pop culture uh, interest and passion to get the role in corporate communications. Like what... uh, what steps did you take? What shifts did you make on your resume? Like, how were you changing the way you were speaking about your experience to highlight the transferable skill sets? Well, what's so fantastic about um, communications and the skills is they're easily transferable. Mm. I can go from working in entertainment to working at a media agency to working for, you know, new establishment brands to, you know, working for a car dealership. So you really can do, to working, you know, at a college because the same skills are required in the same savvy of being able to do crisis management Mm -hmm. and um, building a brand, its presence in the press is the same thing wherever you go. It's being able to learn what those individual companies do and represent is essential and being able to shift and pivot your thinking towards those. Okay. And so did you find that the companies you were speaking to or um, interviewing, well, you know, the, the company you ended up going for, that wasn't a challenge for them to see the correlation between what you were doing before and what you did what you do now, essentially, because I guess what what I'm asking is I think a lot of people struggle with getting out of the mentality that they're doing one thing and understanding that there are transferable skill sets that they can speak to that are very similar and that you get on the job training because Mm -hmm. I feel like so many people reach out to me for feedback on their resumes and they're very stuck in this mentality of, oh, well, I was doing like this thing that is like only account management. So there's no way I could go for a media job. And it's like, yeah, you can. I mean, I think these are like constructs we define and and that corporations do define as well but we get very stuck in a a job Mm -hmm. function and don't realize that especially at the entry and mid-level it's it's quite easy to transfer as long as you have the skill sets sure so the basics writing i would write a press release for a real housewives of atlanta Mm -hmm. episode i can use that same skill just tweak it and know what the message is and the voice of the brand is how it's different from housewives to now it's talking about a new technology that we're bringing on at the agency and how it's going to benefit our clients and industry overall Mm. so it's learning those that skill to deliver a message effectively Mm. is transferable it's event planning Mm. planning an event for a red carpet for a premiere of a show is the same thing as we require the same skills and the know-how as planning um an event at a ces okay or a can lions festival so it's the same skill sets and it's important to be able to stress that and truly understand what you're doing and how it's broad because like you were saying a lot of what people do is not just that specific they've only done it in that specific area but it can be transferred right absolutely um, and I've and I touched on this earlier, but I mean, you've been so helpful and beneficial with Joblogs. So actually, recently this month, I introduced a new segment of the website on Joblogs.com. It's called Adventures Abroad, and we're spotlighting young professionals that have global experience representing countries all over the world. And that idea actually came from you. You reminded me mm-hmm. that we'd had a conversation. I was sort of batting some ideas, asking you for if I remember correctly, asking you for input on what I could do. Um, and I think this was early on, even yeah, before the website had launched. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I wanted to touch on that because how important is it to you to have a network of um, professionals that are actually friends that you can go to um, 
and maybe speak to a little bit more freely, more openly than you would like colleagues or, you know, other acquaintances that you've met professionally? I think it's critical. And it's something that I'm working on myself and developing those types of conversations and making a point of having them. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I, you know, I go to a lot of networking events and you build these relationships with people, but they're for the most part, pretty superficial. Yeah, not that transactional. They can't, not that they won't benefit you, but you don't get to always ask them those real raw questions. Yeah. That are going, you know, what are the mistakes that you made? Yeah. How can I benefit from that? What yeah. do you think of this idea? Um, so I am starting to have those conversations with my girlfriends about their own careers and mm-hmm. where they're going and what they want from themselves and, you know, talking about issues that I might have at work or not even an issue but brainstorming with them what do you think of this idea before taking it to you know my supervisors yeah and I mean we've spoken about so many different things from negotiating salary to like you know batting ideas off of you in terms of job logs and different entrepreneurial ideas Um, even like I touched on earlier when there are job opportunities that you have you're sending them my way when I have job opportunities on my end I send them your way for referrals and recommendations so I do agree that it's so important and I think I'm just starting to realize that too Mm -hmm. Um, and it's a different dynamic and it's really interesting to look at your friends through a different lens because I mean we like obviously we've all been working for a number of years now but I never truly looked at you as sort of like a PR professional in communications uh, manager I look at you as my friend right so starting to interact in that way has been really beneficial but are there any drawbacks or I mean you can be honest like are there any um, watch outs in terms of doing that with your friends can it ever make the relationship sour or like how do you feel when we have those conversations are you happy to have them no I'm happy to have them (laughs) and I appreciate the candor that comes with it um I don't think it's always a good idea to talk about salary and things like that with friends. With friends. Yeah. Why? Because I think it's good to talk about, you know, giving suggestions for negotiations. Mm -hmm. And everyone says not to talk about salary with friends, but I think you really shouldn't. Oh, do they? I didn't know that was a thing. Well, that's what I think. In terms of the number. Yeah, the number. Not talking Mm. about, you even, I I mean, you might want to talk about like brackets, but Mm -hmm. I would kind of shy away from that too because inevitably people are you know are thinking about themselves and well why am I not making that much and what does that mean about me really I think it's helpful to talk about what you know goals and aspirations but I think it can cause um unwanted feelings between people really that's interesting I mean I disagree because I feel like our conversations and my conversations with other friends in my network have made me much more aggressive in terms of what I'm looking for Mm. as a number. So they've almost motivated me to aspire to numbers I that were unimaginable and unattainable to me just a year or two ago. You know, chatting with you and chatting with other people has Mm kind of made me want more. So I I almost disagree and that I mean it's made me realize, like you said with the internships, right? You see people around you doing it and going for it and getting it. I feel the same way with salary. It's like if I have a friend that has a similar number of years of experience as me and they're able to make, you know, double what I'm making, well, why can't I? I can. I think this has been really great. Is there anything else you want to touch on? I really want to get your advice for people in college, young professionals, or even seasoned professionals looking to transition into 
uh, public relations or the communications field at large, what tips would you offer them just from your experience in, in your last couple of years in the industry? Um, I wouldn't just suggest anyone just decide to do public relations or communications in any industry willy-nilly just because they want to do PR. I think mm-hmm. um, you should pursue it in a field that you have an interest in, be it education or sports, literally any industry that you can think of has a PR firm. So I think it starts with deciding what you want to do and what you want to talk about for, you know, while you're at work. And I think an essential part that a lot of people aren't always strong at, and I'm working on it, a lot of my colleagues are working on it, is writing skills. Mm. Being able to convey a message succinctly and accurately while still being um, attractive is key. Yeah, writing like take if you're in college, don't just take the required writing courses. Take more, challenge yourself. Okay, um, and keep networking. Let people know that you're interested. Awesome, thank you. So we're gonna do a couple rapid fire questions. Mm-hmm. Um, do you listen to podcasts? Yeah. What are you listening to? I listen to This American Life. Okay. <laughs> Almost every day. Anything else? I listen to This American Life and job vlogs. <laughs> Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, stop too. Um, favorite city in the world? Um, Los Angeles. Awesome. Um, let's see. Queens, Manhattan, Staten Island, Brooklyn, or the Bronx? Manhattan. Okay. Um, favorite childhood show? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, Dawson's Creek. Um, I'll say maybe Lizzie McGuire. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, it's... Joy can remember the Lizzie yeah, McGuire Yeah, I was obsession. about to say, like, <laughs> you're not even right now, because you were obsessed with and those shows. I forced shows. you to go see the movie with you me, did. the Lizzie movie. You did. It's all good, though. Good times. <laughs> um, and then my last one, which I know you're going to get a chuckle out of, JC, Chris, Joey, oh. or Lance... Justin's not right. on there. <laughs> I knew it's you were going to have J- that reaction. Um, it's JC all the way, baby. JC's number two. So we got to no, spend... No, JC's we gotta, number one. He just JC is number one yes. in the group that I named. If NSYNC, right. my number one favorite member of NSYNC is JC. There's just nothing to support right now. There has JC, been, not JT, not Justin Timberlake. Joshua Scott Shazay. This is a lie. No, it's not. Joy, you can so, go back. Just, can I'm we, a huge JT fan, hands down. Yeah, so no, 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 I've no, no, traveled. No. By huge. Let the people know, because we're not playing this game today. JC is not your number one. Yes, he is, but what is there? There's nothing How many for JC me concerts have you been to? 20 plus. Okay. All but right. that does, again, it's simply because there's, <laughs> JC isn't doing it. But for the listeners that are NSYNC fans and JC fans, stay tuned for a campaign that's coming up soon to encourage JC to return to the music scene. There's going to be a Kickstarter. Stay tuned. <laughs> that's the reason why I came on the show to talk about that. <laughs> Thank you, girl. All right. So this was so awesome. I'm so glad you joined. I think it was a really great conversation. So thank you for being here. Um, Let the people know where they can connect with you on the internet, on the interwebs, Twitter. You have a Twitter. Yeah, you don't want to share it. It's not professional at all. It is. If you want to hear about Justin Timberlake and pop culture, my Twitter is at Aaron 
M Styles. S T Y L E S. I'm also Styles. on Instagram at she is Aaron. Yep. And um, after the episode, I'm going to upload this to the website. Feel free to leave your questions in the comments on the episode page. Um, and I'll make sure Erin sees them so she can respond. Thank you. This was awesome. Thanks for having me. This is fun. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode as much as we enjoyed recording it, be sure to jump in on the conversation at joblogs.com. That's J-O-B-L-O-G-U-E-S.com. You can also connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Joblogs for behind-the-scenes photos and other exclusive content. If you're interested in recommending someone for the show or discussing partnership opportunities, be sure to get in touch. My email is hi at joblogs.com. Many thanks to Aaron Stiles for joining us in the studio today, and thanks to Adrian Wagner for producing this episode. Catch you next month. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.